Sound design is the practice of creating your own sounds, often from scratch, whether that's a percussion sound, a melodic or harmonic element. And the reason this is a really appealing option for a lot of producers is because as opposed to taking sounds from a sample library, which may have potentially thousands or millions of people using those same sounds, when you create your own sound, it's something entirely unique to you that you have full creative control over. And that's a really beautiful thing sometimes. Hello and welcome to Everyone Special and No One Is, a podcast about obscure, misunderstood, and or controversial topics related to music. My name is Martin Chazelle, and this is part three in the miniseries which I'm calling The Long Haul, which is where I talk through the process of writing a song step by step, and no matter what, at the end of the series, I am required to record and release the song and put it on Spotify. So (laughs) that is the requirement for myself. We'll see how it goes, but I think we're making steps in the right direction so far. But anyway, uh, just a big disclaimer up front on sound design. I am not an expert in sound design. This episode is not meant to be a tutorial in sound design at all. It is something that I have dabbled with here and there, and that I've particularly been using in creating this current song that I'm talking about in this series. I'll be getting more into that later in the second half of this podcast. But first, I just wanted to go through sort of my personal journey of really coming into my own in terms of making my own sounds and putting my own touch as a producer on the music that I've been creating and how that all sort of came about. Now, I will say that I did have a whole episode dedicated to just me as a producer in general and walking through step by step by step every single like milestone that I made when it comes to production. So I'm not going to rehash all of those same things because I don't just want to have a repeat of that older episode. Um, that was way, way in the beginning of this podcast when I was telling my story throughout my musical journey in general, um, and then specifically the production episode. But anyway, I want this episode to be specifically talking about production through the lens of sound design and how sound design has been a useful tool for me at certain points throughout my development as a producer. So through that perspective, <laughs> we're going to get into just this the story, the background. Um, so basically, aside from my dabbling in production in middle school and high school, like I kind of used GarageBand a little bit or this obscure program called Mixcraft. Uh, but generally at the beginning, I just, if it came to music production, I was way, 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 way more comfortable if somebody else was doing it for me, which is why I would spend sometimes upwards of a thousand dollars on recording each individual songs. I would hire all the musicians to play all the parts and I would hire a producer and a mixing engineer who is often the same person. (laughs) Um, and I just really liked 
being able to hand that off to somebody else and have them use their expertise to produce and mix the song. But as I got more familiar, like watching them work and I was more like, oh, this is how you sort of do this step and that step and the step after that, you know, in the production process, I became a little bit more curious, like, what would this look like if I did it on my own and I was actually serious about producing as opposed to just the, you know, the dabbling that I had been doing in high school. So in the, uh, basically the winter of my sophomore year, my dad was gracious enough to buy me a MacBook Pro for Christmas. And that was really huge for me because that was the first time that I had Logic, uh, which is a much better music program than GarageBand. And while I had tried Pro Tools and I had taken like one or two Pro Tools classes in college, I just didn't really like Pro Tools. I didn't care enough to invest in it on my own. But Logic is much more my vibe. Um, for, for those of you who are not music producers, the difference between Logic and Pro Tools, Pro Tools is much more suitable if you are producing and recording sessions with live bands and you have multiple tracks and it's recording all of them at once. It's really easy to edit individual takes and generally it's set up for engineering and mixing, but not so much producing if we're talking about, you know, creating your own tracks from scratch in your bedroom. Like you can do it. You can use Pro Tools for that. And a lot of people certainly do, but it's just not really geared for the creative side of music production as much as it is geared towards the engineering side, the mixing side. Uh, So there aren't too many like virtual MIDI instruments that come in Pro Tools, or at least as of the last time I was working in it. <laughs> uh, it's just very, very limited options in terms of drums, synthesizers, etc. But Logic, on the other hand, is maybe not, doesn't have as great of a workflow for mixing or editing, but you can still mix or edit just fine. And it's more, way, way, way more geared towards the creative side of producing. It has so many different sounds. I think upwards of like, don't quote me on this, but I think upwards of 4,000 different virtual instruments in Logic, or at least different presets within those instruments. Um, (laughs) It's just, it's got a lot of different options and also a lot of different samples that come. It has its own sample library And generally, like, the visual aesthetic is much more appealing to me than the visual aesthetic of Pro Tools. But that's just, like, a brief Logic versus Pro Tools and why I like Logic more because it caters more towards that creative side of music production. Um, So in January of 2019, in my sophomore year of college, I get Logic. I'm really excited. I start using it. And the first full song that I produced on my own, it was really, really cringy because, you know, your first time doing anything is not going to (laughs) be, in most cases, the best version. But since I was still getting used to Logic and I didn't quite know where to find everything and I wasn't super familiar with all the different instruments and stuff... I ended up using my own voice as a sound design tool to fill in the gaps of where I couldn't find what I wanted in Logic. 
basically. So one example is that in Logic, there are a lot of like riser sounds. And what a riser is, is just a transitional effect that's kind of like an airy whoosh or just like kind of empty static that's kind of like raising in pitch and building up to a transition point. And it's used predominantly in EDM music. I don't know if there's like too many other genres that use noise risers like that, but um, I'll just play you an example of one so that you kind of know what I'm talking about. So here is a stock logic riser. I'm just literally going into the library right now and I'm going to search riser and let's do um, electro riser one. Here we go. Ugh. Um, okay, that one's very overdramatic and very cheesy, in my opinion. A better example of a riser, which I probably actually used in a song, is Noise Riser Effect 08. So that one's a bit longer, and it gives a little bit more time for the transition, which is why I would typically gravitate more towards that one as opposed to the first one that I played. But anyway, when I was producing this very first song of mine in Logic, I was able to find these risers in the library, but I wasn't sure how to find like the opposite of a riser, because usually after you build up the excitement with a you you typically need to like do the opposite after the beat drops, you know, you have a shua, like a, like, like you're inhaling and then you're exhaling. And that I believe is called a fall or a faller effect. And I had no idea where to find those in logic. I wasn't sure even what they were necessarily called at the time when I was working on this song. And so instead of, you know, using a faller sample, I just recorded my own with my voice. I literally went like, or like, (laughs) so I'll play you a sample from this song with me using mouth noises to compensate for where I couldn't find the right samples. (laughs) So here you go. This is that song. I used to think that it was awkward every time So again, the riser at the beginning of that clip I just played was from Logic, uh, just a Logic library sample. And then the noise after that, the fall, the shoo, that was just me using my own mouth. <laughs> so aside from the mouth noises that I used, the melody there, uh, the da 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 thing, that was actually, I wanted to have this like soft, subtle sort of synth melody nothing like really harsh and in your face but just a little bit softer and a little bit mellower and I wasn't exactly sure where I could find a melody sound like that in Logic I just mean like an instrument to play that kind of a melody like a specific synth preset that I wasn't sure where to find so I ended up just kind of layering a synth that was like the closest thing that I could find to what I want along with me just singing that melody, like kind of humming it into my iPhone. Um, I didn't even have a, like a nice microphone back then. So all of the recordings that I made that 
had to do with vocals. I was always just recording on my phone. And yeah, so mouth noises for the transition and also weird humming mouth noises for the melody. And it just was kind of a mess. <laughs> it's it's endearing, but it's definitely not my finest work. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. So when I was just getting started at producing in Logic, I only tried, like, I only dabbled in sound design just because I didn't know where to find the sounds that I was looking for. And after I was getting more comfortable and learning all the different types of instruments and being able to better navigate the sample library that's within Logic, I got less and less reliant on that, and I just pretty much stopped using my own samples. I stopped using my own sound design and I was just like, I'm totally much more confident using the instruments and sounds that other people have created because it's already hard enough to produce a song. And I was still learning so much about mixing and mastering. Well, honestly, I still don't know too much about mastering, but <laughs> I was I was still in so much the beginning stage as a producer that I didn't want to add oh, and now I have to create all my own sounds too. Like that would have been way too stressful and way overwhelming and would have been a roadblock instead of just moving forward, which is what I was trying to do. So pretty much in the next productions that I was working on, I didn't do hardly any sound design at all. Like if you listen to the singles that I released in 2019 or the EP that I put out in 2020 called I Don't Play Guitar, there is very, very little original sound design on any of that music. That being said, I was using splice samples. So I was, you know, still, I want, I liked the, the samples and the sounds in the Logic Library, but I also at a certain point got a subscription to Splice, which is really popular. They have a lot of really, really great sounds, drums, uh, little song starter melodies, all sorts of different things on Splice. Um, and it's a lot more than in the Logic library too. So that was really helpful, but also not my own sound design. You know, it's still <laughs> relying on other people creating sounds for me, which there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I just want to be very clear. There is nothing wrong with using samples and building off of what other people have created. If it's helpful for your creativity, then that's totally great. Go for it. Sound design is just a tool that you can use, but I don't mean at all to suggest that somehow designing your own sound is like creatively superior to using someone else's sound. Like, no, <laughs> there should be no, this option is artistically better than the other. Like, no, no, there is, like I said in the very introduction of this podcast, there's a certain satisfaction that comes with making your own sound to know that nobody else has ever used it before because it's your own. Like, that is nice, and there's a certain element to it that's satisfying like that, but you should never, <laughs> never just uh, design your own sounds exclusively if someone else's sound would help you get to the same destination five times faster. You know, if designing your own sounds helps you create 
a newer texture that is unlike anything that other people have done, sometimes that can actually be more efficient than searching through and listening through potentially hundreds of other samples from a library somewhere. But <laughs> but it shouldn't be this pretentiousness of like, you must design your own sounds, otherwise you're not a true producer. Like, no, I don't, I don't like that at all. Anyway, when I was first getting started as a producer, I guess in the period from 2019 through like the first couple months of 2020 before the pandemic, I did do a little bit more in sound design. Again, not too much, but I did, there was one particular point, which is very memorable, a very, very fun thing from my college experience, is that I actually recorded with a friend of mine from college. We went to the stairway in the music practice room because, like, whenever I would go to these practice rooms, I, like, before that, I would just be like, this stairway to get down into the basement where all the little rooms are with all their respective pianos and stuff. But the stairway to get down there, it was just like, you know, like two flights of stairs, nothing really crazy, but it was so echoey. Like, there was so much reverb and sound in that room like you would be walking down and it'd, each footstep would last for like five seconds just because the whole stairwell was like made of concrete or I, I don't know architecture terms it might not have been concrete but some other hard non-porous material <laughs> that is very echoey uh anyway uh so that's why I went to my friend and I was like hey we should record in that stairwell we should record samples we should record like clapping and snapping and stuff because the reverb like the natural reverb in that stairway is so much better than any reverb that you could like add on to electronically with some sort of virtual reverb plugin you know just like that organic stairway reverb it was so good <laughs> and so I talked him into it. We we went over there. I still didn't have my own microphone at the time. We used his microphone and he brought his computer um and we just kind of took turns like snapping and clapping and he even uh intentionally dropped his car keys to try and get like a key sound. So I'll I'll play you some of these samples. I think they actually did turn out pretty well and i can say that i've used them in at least a few songs of mine um but just for starters here's some snaps that we recorded and here's the sound of his keys hitting the ground and just for fun he asked me to go and walk up and down the stairs like on the upper flight and he recorded it from below where I was walking, and it sounded very bizarre. But here's the recording of me walking in the stairway. I think I was actually like 
overemphasizing each step, like specifically slamming down my foot when I was doing that, which is why it sounds like very furious, intense walking, but also just like the natural reverb of the of the area. But yeah, so that was fun. And while I didn't end up using the walking sound for anything, I did make really great use of the snapping. I actually, I took the snapping samples and I put them into a virtual instrument in Logic so that when I pressed down notes on my keyboard, I could just play snaps. So I could play them at any speed or tempo I wanted and I could play like a group of snaps all together to make it sound more like there's a group of people snapping, um, which is really cool. Uh, So... I ended up using some of those snaps in the song Her From the East, which I produced for my friend Cheriana, which is a song that she wrote. Um, But anyway, so here's the uh, section of that song that uses the snaps that me and my other friend recorded in the stairway. So I know snapping is not anything too experimental or original. You know, there's probably millions of songs out there that have snapping on beats two and four. (laughs) Um, But why that was significant for me is because it was the first time that I had participated in recording a sound that ultimately ended up being useful in a song that I was producing. You know, it was the first time that I was like, wow, I don't have to be exclusively reliant on the sounds that other people create that are in these big production libraries. I can actually create these sounds, or at least some of these sounds, on my own and use them in songs and have it still turn out, you know, pretty well. And of course, it wasn't completely on my own because my friend was there helping with the recording of it all in the stairway. But it was just, it still felt really empowering because it was like this beautiful, wonderful DIY moment where we actually did have a good result, (laughs) which was great. So... The only other thing that I did during this period of being more or less a beginning producer, if we're calling it that, the only other like experimental sound design thing that I did was in the song Spirit, which I co-wrote with Jana Jameson. Um, she was a guest on this podcast at least twice. And she is a phenomenal songwriter. But anyway, so me and her co-wrote this song together, which was a top line over an instrumental track that Mitchell Prisby, who was a former acquaintance of mine from high school, he had produced this instrumental and he sent it to me. And I was like, yes, this needs to be a song. So me and Jana were writing the melody and lyrics over it. So Production-wise, my role in this song was very, very minimal. I did do a lot of the mixing, but all of the like the synths and drums and stuff were things that Mitchell Prisby put together. However, I did add just a little bit of white noise. Not white noise, but 
uh, city noise at the beginning because when I was in Spain at one point, I was like, this is a great moment. I did what I do. I took out my phone. I recorded some ambient noise and I really, really liked it. So later I ended up just adding it to the beginning, like the first few seconds of the already produced instrumental track that Mitchell had made. So here is the beginning of Spirit. And then since I'd already used city noises in the beginning of the song, I thought it would be cool to put more city noises in the middle and the end of the song. So in the middle, I actually put the sound of a car passing by to transition it from the pre-chorus to the chorus as a sort of natural organic riser effect. So I'll play you that transition right here. Lost in all the faces, stories that they're chasing, wonder what they'd say, now I'm So yeah, just a just a cute little touch. I didn't really edit the sound of the car hardly at all. It's pretty much just like, oh, here's a car noise. Oh, it works like in this particular spot, you know? So there's not a whole lot of craziness or inventiveness that's going on there. <laughs> and also with the with the snap, you know, it's nothing like super super crazy or unique. But again, at this point in my life, I was just really focusing on learning the basics of production. And I didn't feel comfortable doing all this crazy experimental stuff that I'll be talking about later, <laughs> foreshadowing. Uh, but yeah, I, I, was just, I was just learning the ropes. But as I got more confident with the basics of production, I started to eventually think, you know, what can I do? What It doesn't have to be anything super crazy, but like, in what ways can I design my own sounds that helps enhance my music? You know, because it is a tool. It is a tool that can be very helpful sometimes. And I had seen YouTube videos like the series Four Producers, One Sample by Andrew Huang and also uh, Kurt Hugo Snyder, uh, another YouTuber, was releasing a lot of videos at the time. Like, he created an entire cover song using only a potato and basically used the potato for the percussion, like tapping a spoon on the potato. And then he also carved a hole in the potato to make a little potato flute. And then all he needed was to get record one note on the potato, and then he could just take that one note and sample it and turn it into a synthesizer and then map it to all the other notes in the scale so we could have full chords that were just originating based on this one potato note. <laughs> so, and, and and also other crazy stuff, like back to the Four Producers, One Sample series. I remember this one, I think it was when like Virtual Riot, the producer, was a guest on the series and he took just literally like a recording of a piano playing this beautiful, nice melody and chopped it up and turned it into like a crazy EDM dubstep bass and like drums and percussion, which he somehow got from only just a piano sound. Like what? How do you, how do you even... <laughs> 
<laughs> so there was definitely an element for me at the time of being just intimidating by sound design and that some people on the internet are just so good at it and it seems like such an acquired skill and it's like not even necessary for production it can be helpful but you don't need to do it like you could be a really successful producer and never have any need to make your own sound you know <laughs> but it was like this, you know, a lot of things in life are feel like they're two contradictory things at once. And for me around this time in my life, I can say that I was simultaneously intimidated and scared of sampling and sound design and stuff. But I also was really, really intrigued by it and wanted to eventually start dabbling it. Or maybe there was a more clear transition point. I'm not really sure. But what I can say is that after the pandemic hit, so I'm talking like March, April, May, June of 2020, I started just, you know, so much time at home. I started getting more into working on creating sounds and specifically creating sounds using the program Serum, which I had downloaded on my computer. I'm not going to... Serum is way too much to explain in the in the scope of this podcast, but it's basically just a synthesizer where you can either um, take samples and modify them, or you can take waveforms, um, you know, just like a sine wave, and then turn that into a synthesizer sound, or any other waves or shapes or forms. It, it does a lot of things. I'm doing a horrible job explaining it. <laughs> but I had watched a Virtual Riot Serum tutorial on YouTube, so I felt a little bit more comfortable like this is something that I could potentially do so I tried um you know following along with the tutorial and making the synthesizer sounds that he was showing in the video and I felt like oh okay I can see how he went through each step uh one by one through the process so then a while after that I was like okay I'm gonna try this on my own I'm gonna try making my own sort of synth sounds and it just didn't really work it was not very successful <laughs> at all because I wasn't exactly sure what I was going for and it was still so new to me that anytime I was like sitting down and it's like I'm gonna make a new synthesizer sound that's gonna be unique and specific to me as a person it's like no it was just like this sounds blah this sounds like any other random sound. I mean, it sounded honestly closest to an organ uh, because an organ sound just doesn't have too much texture to it or too much envelope. When I say envelope, I mean the attack, decay, sustain, release, the way the sound starts and ends volume-wise. And yeah, so <laughs> I still have some of those early sounds that I was working saved, saved in the presets, so maybe I can play you a couple of them right now. The thing is that I really didn't like these sounds, so I never really used them in any songs. <laughs> so I don't have like any recordings of me playing them, but I still just have the the instrument itself, like the preset saved in Serum where I can still go back and play it as an instrument, but I don't have anything specific played. So I'm just going to be... A, for the sake of our purposes right now, I'm just going to play like basic 
scales and chords or whatever to show you what it sounds like. But again, this is not coming from any song that I worked on in the past. This is just me improvising right now <laughs> using the sound that I made. So here is um, one of the very, very early synth sounds that I made in Serum. Yeah. So see, it sounds like a crappy organ. <laughs> um, here's another one. Anyway, so when I worked on those, I was just really frustrated. And it's like, this is why I don't do sound design, because I'm just floundering and I don't really know what I'm doing and the result is not great. I mean, there's a big difference between recording yourself snapping and trying to make a new synthesizer sound. But after a while, I came back to it with a little bit fresher of a mindset and I was like, you know, I think maybe what would help is if I actually recorded audio um, and then used it in the synth because before I was just using like the different wavetables that are already within Serum and there's only so much you can do with those. But if I'm recording original audio and then turning that into a synth, maybe, maybe I can have a better result. So what I did was I recorded myself singing just like a really long note and then I tuned it so that it was perfectly in tune and then I put it into the synthesizer in Serum and put a bunch of effects on it. I made it so that rather than just starting out at full volume right away, it started soft and then kind of increased up in volume and also put on a filter that sort of did a similar thing. So I was really, really really satisfied with that result and I started playing these chords that felt really good with that sound so I'll play you the um, kind of chord progression that I used based on this sort of vocal synth that I designed And I'm almost hesitant to play the original sample of my voice that I used to make that sound, but I will because I think this is <laughs> uh, just interesting to show what it started with. So here is my auto-tuned voice. And then here is the same sound after putting it through a bunch of effects in Serum. And then you can see how from there, with that one note, it gets transferred to all the other notes in the scale. So you can just start playing chords, you know? So like... But what I found was that I really just wanted to play the chords for a short enough time so it would have enough to like start from zero volume to go up a little bit, but then cut off before you can really tell that it's me singing, you know? So you just get that initial sort of, but then the sound sort of just cuts off. And for some reason, I like that vibe and that's what I ended up using in the song. So here is again, what I ended up using this synth for. Mm -hmm. 
And anyway, I ended up writing that song with my friend, but we didn't end up releasing it. Um, I still, I still really like that and I would still like to do something with it. But anyway, um, yeah, as of right now, this on the podcast and just one random Instagram post, that's the only time this has ever seen the light of day. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. Um, so that vocal synth was the first time that I felt like I had accomplished something unique with sound design, that I had taken something, some original recording, and turned it into something useful for a song, and that was really encouraging. And I did a little bit more um, on some songs that actually did get released on my album. There's a little bit of sound design on Back to Me and Permission in particular. Not too much, it's just light touches here and there, mostly like percussion elements, <laughs> you know, like a little hi-hat sound here, or a little shaker sound there. Nothing too crazy. It was just like sort of dipping my toes into the world of sound design without going all out. But then in December of 2020, I made my first song. I produced my first song using only audio tracks because before then I was very, very reliant on virtual instruments, you know, instruments that I would play on my keyboard and it would go into the computer, uh, like a piano or an organ or a synth or a blah, blah, blah. Like for the very first time in a song that I produced on my own, I made the conscious choice that I was only going to record things. And then ultimately I ended up using like an audio sample from a library. But (laughs) anyway, I almost all the tracks I recorded on my own. And I'm going to play that for you in a second. Um, so just the most obvious instruments that you'll hear in this recording are saxophone and bass guitar. But then for a lot of the like the percussion elements, these are the things that I was like, oh, this is some fancy sound design that I've got going on here. You know, I felt I felt good about it. It was um, I, I took my exercise ball that I sometimes sit on at work and I was like, hitting it, and that was becoming a kick drum, basically. And then I was also rattling some pencils in a pencil jar, and that was sort of an extra percussive element. And then I was like, I took a Target grocery bag, and I was kind of, you know how you have, um, like with that flimsy grocery bag plastic you can kind of like crinkle it and it makes a really distinct sound i was kind of like crinkling it and like squinching it back and forth in a like do 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 sort of a pattern (laughs) and then um i also just recorded some clapping and snapping and put it in the track and i think that the final result was kind of cool um i never released this song it was like a joking comedy song and I don't know. Those those are a whole other thing. I already did another episode about comedy music and how my, my history with that. But anyway, um, yeah, it was just it was just a fun exercise to put together all of the basic elements for a song using sounds that I recorded. Again, with the exception of that one sample that I used in the end of the song. But we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> um, so here is. This song, I'm just going to play the instrumental uh, first. This is called Trail Mix. Trail Mix. 
So there's still definitely parts about this that are rough around the edges, but I think it's like light years ahead of Afraid to Touch, which is the song I played at the very beginning of this podcast, which is the very first song I ever produced in Logic. You know, because there was sound design in that too. But in this, at least I kind of know what I'm doing a little bit more. <laughs> um, just for context, I'll play just a brief snippet of the chorus of this trail mix song with the vocals actually included. So here you go. I like raisins. I like them in my trail mix. I like raisins too. So how about you? You can share my trail mix if you wanna take a bite. But you can't have any pineapple because that's my favorite dried fruit. So at this point, I'm not planning on branding myself as a comedy artist. Like that's not what I'm pursuing at the moment. But just the reason why this song in particular is significant is because it was like, okay, I finally know enough about production and I have enough experience that I'm comfortable recording the audio tracks for almost everything here and just building it from the ground up rather than relying solely on virtual instruments and library samples that other people have created, you know? And it could have been a big like push a big step forward into really opening the door and doing this a lot more and incorporating a lot more sound design into my own original productions but to be honest it just wasn't <laughs> and the reason it wasn't is because i just kind of i just kind of stopped making music in general after um like <laughs> <laughs> like I don't not stopped that's the wrong word but uh, went through a long 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 phase of not really feeling inspired and I'm still going through that phase and I still haven't been writing a lot of original songs which is part of the reason why I wanted to do this on the podcast this this series the long haul trying to like deliberately and intentionally kick myself in the butt to start writing again and to really put time and focused energy into it. Um, so just very briefly to put the timeline in perspective, I did the trail mix song in December of 2020. And then in like January, February of 2021, I had a couple of co-writing sessions, but I didn't really do too much sound design for that. And then I shifted my focus to wrapping up my album, uh, just like finishing up the mixing on a lot of the songs and lots of final improvements on that. So that wasn't really creating new songs, but it was really important to finish the old ones and actually release it out into the world. Um, and then during the summer of 2021, I was working on the film songs for Love is Life, which again, I did two whole episodes about that on the podcast. It was a really, really wonderful experience. Didn't need much sound design though, because it wasn't, I wasn't trying to make like experimental sounding productions. I was just trying to take the songs that Abby had already written and create the best representation of them, uh, which in most cases was just, 
you know, straightforward, we need guitar, drums, bass, or in some cases, just guitar and vocals, you know. But anyway, I wrapped up work on the film songs in the summer. You know, the movie eventually came out in February of this year, but my work on it was mostly wrapped up by about August or September of 2021. And then in September and October, I did this 30-day co-writing, or sorry, 30-day writing challenge from the middle of September to the middle of October, writing one song a day for 30 days. And for a little more than half of those 30 songs, I actually did produce rough demos of them too. For some of them, it was just, I was really busy and I was just like, whatever, I'll just record a voice memo on my phone. But for a lot of them, I did create like rough instrumentals in Logic. But in that case... A lot of times I just had like an hour or maybe two hours after work to write these songs. And so I wasn't like, I'm going to spend five hours making this amazing production with sound design and original elements. And it's going to be this whole developed thing. No, absolutely not. It was like, okay, I don't have too much time to write these songs. So I'm just going to do like the minimum necessary in order to convey the emotion of what I'm trying to get across. So that songwriting challenge is really, really good in that it caused me to write and produce and just just do it, basically. But um, yeah, I, I don't have any plans to release any of those songs. And yeah, I mean, I did use a lot of those instrumentals in the uh, Credits Amended episode three, So that was an unexpected, surprising use for them, that they turned into podcast background cues. So that was cool. (laughs) Uh, But I still need to get more into actually writing and starting new songs from scratch rather than just, you know, endlessly working on pre-existing songs or whatever. So... This brings me to the present, finally, (laughs) finally. So uh, I've been using sound design on this current song that I've been talking about for the last three weeks now, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in the second part of the podcast. Cue the transition music, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So to briefly recap on the songwriting process so far, episode number one of The Long Haul, I was deciding what topic to write the song about, and I eventually decided to talk about my confusion and uncertainty over whether I want to pursue romantic relationships in my life or if I'm totally happy being single the rest of my life. Episode number two I talked about like what kind of lyrics or like starting point for the lyrics can I write about that gets at this idea, a lyric that could potentially be used like at the beginning of the song or maybe in the chorus of the song. And I decided on, I thought I knew what I wanted, but now I just don't know. And that that would be a good lyric starting point. And just to fill you in on what's been going on since that last episode, I've been thinking about the song and like how I want to put it together. And I was thinking about like the genre, like, okay, I have a lyric and I have a topic, but 
what genre is this going to be? Is this going to be like a, a, a banger EDM song? Is this going to be a acoustic pop song? Is this going to be just like sort of indie and vague and doesn't really fit into a box at all? What is this going to be like? And then it got me thinking of like, do I want to sing this song or do I want somebody else to sing this song? Because I'm still very insecure about my own voice, but regardless, like this is a really personal song to me. So (laughs) maybe it only makes sense for me to sing it because it'd be weird to write these really, really deeply personal lyrics and then just hand it off to someone else. And I didn't really come to a firm conclusion on that topic, but I'm just, I don't know. I'll figure it out when I get there. But (laughs) what I really, really need to do next is make the instrumental, make a starting instrumental demo because I personally don't feel super inspired all the time when just writing with a piano, you know, because when it's purely acoustic, like I just, I'm already so insecure about my voice. And when there's just a piano and me singing out different ideas, like, I don't know. That's just not how I typically feel inspired. So I really like to have a track, a working instrumental that I can, you know, uh, then build the rest of the song after I have this instrumental track produced. So I really, uh, the these last few days have been working on trying to put together an instrumental that works that will be that will serve as inspiration for the rest of the lyrics you know so oh, i i was thinking you know i want to do something kind of experimental i want to push the envelope a little bit i mean the topic itself is already pushing the envelope because it's not something that a lot of songs are written about. So I might as well just do something really experimental with the production. So I thought about starting with some sort of like atmospheric, like spacey reversed out sound. And when I say reversed out, I mean literally reversed. Like you can take a sound and then reverse it in the computer and it sounds way different than the original. And I think that's really, really cool how that happens. So I started by just going downstairs, the piano and playing like just the note C over and over and over again. And then I took it into my computer after recording and reversed it. So I'll play you the original recording of me playing C and then I'll play you the reversed version. So here is the original. And then here's the reversed version. So then I thought, okay, well, that's cool, but what else can I add to like the introduction of the song to make it even crazier and even more like a wild sort of sound design. And at that moment, my roommate's dog, Orion, was eating his food in the other room. And I was like, that's an interesting sound. So then I reversed that and...
And I was like, this is such a crazy sound. I'm going to make it even crazier by taking that recording of him eating in reverse at two different points in the recording. And then I'm going to pan each of them to either side so that you're hearing one chewing, reverse chewing in your right speaker and one reverse chewing in your left speaker. So the night that I was recording all these and working on this at first, there was supposed to be a big storm. And so I went outside before the storm really hit, hoping that it would like kind of have already started raining so that I could get some rain recordings and then put them in the song. But it wasn't raining at all at that point. However, there was a cricket right outside my house that was making a lot of noise. And I was like, wow, I got to record this cricket. This is a crazy sound. I bet I can use this. So here's the cricket noise that I recorded. And I also made some other recordings that I kind of liked, just random sounds playing on my little kalimba that I've talked about very briefly on the podcast before, and also my little singing bowl as well. And that was fun. I recorded random notes and the flute I got in Mexico, and I made some random mouth noises too. Uh, And then I kind of just mashed all these random sounds together into what could be a chaotic cacophony of noises that could potentially start out this song, the I Thought I Knew What I Wanted song. So here is all of the noises that I recorded combined. So as I was working on that, I was kind of gradually disassociating more and more. And I just felt really, really weird and like out of place. And I don't know. I just, I I felt more and more like, why am I doing this? How is this going to be used in a song at all? This is, (laughs) this is ridiculous, quite frankly. I mean, When producing music, sometimes it's nice to put just a little touch of outside noises or just like ambient noise in a song. But to have an introduction to a song that's just like total audio gargling, like randomness, like you can't, you can't identify any melody or any musical feature whatsoever. (laughs) I don't want to do that. I mean... I really don't want to do that. That That's not a song that I would be proud enough to release on Spotify, unless it was as a total joke. But like I said, I'm not trying to brand myself as a comedy songwriter. And to be frank, I don't think there's anything exactly funny about just mashing up completely random songs, unless it's in the right context. But yeah, I just I just wasn't really feeling it. So I decided to take another approach. Remember that beginning piano sound that I played reversed? I tried taking that and then putting it into a sampler, which would basically turn that into a full keyboard. So I could play that sample on any note that I wanted. So here's that sample again. And then if I take that and play it in a chord, this is the result. 
So I was like, okay, this is cool because it's sort of balancing this crazy experimental vibe with something that's a little bit more musical because I can actually play more or less chords, maybe even melodies with this weird reversed stuttering piano sample sort of a thing. But as I was playing around with it, I just wasn't coming up with any ideas that I liked and it was just a little too crazy still. So I had to dial back the craziness. So I just took a single piano note reversed and sampled that instead. So here's the reversed piano note. And like the ending of that note is really, really harsh and abrasive. So I didn't want to sample that, but I took a little chunk of the middle of a reversed piano note and I then put that into the sampler in Logic, which would then allow me to play it on any note of the keyboard. And then it came up to something that was a lot more pleasant for me to listen to. So let me play you a little bit of this reversed piano MIDI instrument that I made. It also sounds really, really cool in the low register because it just stretches everything out and it takes a really, really long time for that volume to build. And I found that I really liked the vibe of playing a low note with the reverse piano along with a higher melody. It was also really cool to play these sort of really, really fast arpeggios with the reverse piano. So anyway, it was amazing because I went from this place of just recording random noises and not really feeling inspired and getting really kind of dejected about the whole situation to then coming up with this piano sound that I liked and all of a sudden having a lot of ideas that I was recording and like, what if I did this? And what if I did that? And it finally felt like I had landed on something like here is a small kernel of something that could develop into a larger song. But the problem was that I had too many ideas <laughs> and I couldn't decide which one I liked, which, you know, if I had to choose between not having any ideas and having too many ideas, like obviously the better problem to have is having too many ideas, but still it was like as much as I was initially inspired and like coming up with all these different things, it wasn't like any of them were like, okay, I can see where this would go in a song, you know, like <laughs> Like, I feel like, you know, when you have a good idea, when you are like, okay, well, then I could do this and then I could add this on top of it. And then I could turn this part into this. But when you're just playing ideas and you're like, I have no idea how this would work in a song, then it's maybe not a good idea because you're not inspired by it, you know? <laughs> uh, and that's kind of the place that I got into with playing all these things in the reverse piano. So I just, I had to, I had to just, stopped for the day because it got too late and I came back to it the next day and I was coming up with more ideas but still nothing was super sticking so I tried something else I tried taking um again my flute from Mexico but this time instead of just playing like random notes <laughs> like I was doing before in the cacophony uh instead of that I just played one note. I played the note that I can play like the strongest on the flute because 
don't get me wrong it's kind of like a cheap flute and it's also i'm not a great flute player (laughs) so i just played one note and i sampled it and then i turned that into an instrument in logic that i could play any note on and that sounded really nice and then i was able to come up with more ideas so i'll just play you a little bit of this flute instrument that i created And on one hand, it felt really, really empowering to be able to create this sound, these these luscious chords using just one note that I played on the flute. Like, it is wild that that can work. But on the other hand, it was not really helping me find anything that I was landing on. Like, this is an idea that I definitely want to turn into a song. And yet, this whole thing of... I can't just I can't just let this go. I have to make this song. I have to do it cuz I'm doing it on the podcast and I'm ultimately going to have to talk about this on the podcast. I'm going to have to get an idea that I like and that I can stick with. Like it was it was putting a lot of pressure on that I wasn't exactly used to, you know. Typically I just make music just for fun. Well, I used to just make music just for fun and see what happens. But the whole point of this podcast series is that I have to kick my butt into writing again because that hasn't been something that I've been doing just organically on my own. So, yeah. Anyway, I finally, finally, after hours of playing around with melodies, finally came up with a melody using Back to the Reverse Piano And I found that melody, uh, well, the melody that I'm about to play you that I liked just enough to like, okay, this could maybe work. I mean, it's still not the greatest thing in the world, but it's whatever. Here's the melody I came up with on the reverse piano. So even though I wasn't in love with it, I had to just be like, okay, this has to be a starting point. I don't have any more time to just screw around with other ideas. So I took that and then I added more percussive elements to make a sort of groove um, and kind of built out a whole track from there. And as of the recording of this episode, I do have a rough draft of the verse and chorus of this song, just the instrumental. Um, and I'm really excited to play it for you. (laughs) I can't believe that I'm actually excited about this song, despite all the trials and tribulations that have got to this point. So before I play you the, the whole track, I'll just show you a little bit in isolation of the different samples that I used. All of this being things that I, you know, recorded on my own. So... Uh, We're going to start off with a little bit of a kick drum, which is a combination of me slamming two of my biggest books together, just making a book slamming noise. I used Atlas Shrugged and The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes because those are both really thick books. Uh, So here's the book noise with a little bit of me stomping on the floor as well, layered in. And then I added just a little bit of clapping and slapping the side of my kalimba. (laughs) 
And you remember the cricket sound from earlier. I actually took the cricket sound, put it into Serum, made the volume go up and down so it would emphasize certain notes of the beat, and this was the result. And then along with the rest of the beat, it sounds like this. And at this point, I thought the song really needs a bass line. So I was about to play the bass, but then I thought, why not just sing the bass line? Just because. So I came up with a bass line and sung it into the microphone. Of course, I heavily tuned it because I'm not great at singing exactly in pitch. So here is me singing an auto-tuned bass line. Dung, 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 dung. And to make it sound more like an actual bass, I put an octaver on it to make it go an octave lower, and I also put a guitar fuzz pedal on it. I also had to use a little bit of the flute instrument that I made with the flute sample, of course, because how could I leave that out? So here's a little melody I came up with on the flute MIDI instrument. And as a finishing touch, just to come full circle with what I started out the beginning of this episode talking with... I made a riser sound effect. You know, remember the sound that goes like that builds up the intensity leading up to a transition. I made my own riser for the very first time using something other than my voice. (laughs) I actually just recorded the, um, like the AC or the heater in my house because the vents are so loud in this house and I'm always having to turn off the vents whenever I'm recording a podcast because otherwise it would just add a layer of static to the recording. But for the very first time, I actually was like, let me just use this and put it into a song, uh, make it into a riser because I'd never done that before. But risers are pretty much just static that raise up in pitch. So I thought, why not just make the AC noise raise up in pitch (laughs) and then fall down in pitch for the, for the fall part. So here is my air conditioner transition effect that I designed. Not the best riser ever, but hey, it works. It gets the job done, and I made it using my air conditioner. (laughs) I just find that so empowering. Um, One more thing I almost forgot. I added a little bit of cooking noises that I had recorded in Minnesota over winter break. That's literally just searing a slab of meat on the frying pan. That's all that noise is. But it sounds great, and it's a great texture for the backdrop of a song. Anyway, here is the rough draft of the instrumental of the song. I thought I knew what I wanted with all of the elements together. Here you go.
yeah, I think it's cool. I'll admit that it's still a little bit rough around the edges. It probably needs a little bit more fine-tuned work mixing, maybe turning some things up, turning some things down. But I think that in general, it's a good start. I feel really happy about it. I think that if this song was going to, at first, you know, when there were so many possibilities, one real possibility was that I would just make a slow, introspective, piano, boring thing where I'm just like talking about my personal life and the lyrics and there's no excitement to it. But having a beat like this makes me so much more happy. It makes me so much more motivated to work on it, so much more motivated to make it more of a commercial thing that could potentially be just enjoyable to listen to as opposed to like some experimental abstract thing that you might just listen to once and be like, okay, don't need to hear that again. You know, I want to make something that you could potentially listen to again and again and still enjoy it. And I feel like if it was just a long abstract piano vocal thing where I'm just kind of rambling on about my life, like that wouldn't be as much fun at all. So (laughs) I'm very happy about this draft. Oh, I just got a text from my friend who's two minutes away. He is moving in to Nashville. Uh, That is what I see. I'll just jump to that. That's what I see. Uh, I see my phone, which the screen is dark, but it lit up two seconds ago because my friend said he's two minutes away, which means I have to stop recording because we're moving in to a house together very soon. Um, I'm moving in a bit later than he is, but that's very exciting. Um, I'm very sad that I'm moving out of my current house as well. You know, there's always a little bit of happy in the sad, but I'm really going to miss my current roommates. Um, I'm really going to miss my roommate's dog, Orion. Um, But yeah, that's a big life update from my side. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back hopefully next week with the update on the long haul part four. Maybe we'll do some melodies. Who knows? I've already come up with some melody ideas because I was feeling so good about this track that I was just like, oh, yeah, I'll record some off the cuff melody ideas. But I'm not going to share those right now. This has been long enough. Um, We'll have to wait to see what the next week ups. I can't talk what the next week's episode brings. So yes, until then, until next time. Bye, everyone. Oh, <laughs> uh, my friend says he's here. Great. Okay, bye. Bye.